This boy, William Adams, hasn't aged in 400 years. Marty, how did you manage to do that? It's through the power of whiskey, Justin. I keep telling you, whiskey makes things immortal. It doesn't go off. It doesn't age. It's it's just a wonderful product. Wonderful. It's the, the, the water of life, Justin. The water of life. Stephen, what was it like working with uh, James Clavel? <laughs> That's a uh, excellent question. Unfortunately, <laughs> I, I never had the opportunity. <laughs> uh, no, no, you aren't. You aren't really. You're a Japanese whiskey guru. A little bit of all Japanese spirits, I guess. It's uh, yeah, yeah. Now we are joined by Stephen Lyman of Honkaku Spirits in Japan. Um, the reason he came up to was flagged up to me is because they've brought out a new whiskey which has been award winning, and it's a it's in a totally well. It's not new. It's um. It's reviving a very brief experiment from a long time ago. Stephen, uh, could you explain what, what I'm on about? Because I don't really really know what I'm on about. <laughs> you don't know, Maury? That's incredible. <laughs> yeah, so in the late 1800s, the uh, Illinois Whiskey Trust had licensed a proprietary whiskey-making method from a Japanese chemist who was living in uh, Chicago at the time. And it was a maltless whiskey that was being made. And, and they were doing experiments. There was a mysterious fire in the building that was housing the experiments. Is uh, it by, never by explained. By, by mysterious, do you mean it, arson? By it, it could, 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 could have been. Could have been. Could have been, potentially. And, yeah. And uh, I mean, the, apparently the accelerants that were used in the fire just absolutely gutted the, the room where the experiments were taking place. And the rest of the I, building was... Relatively by, untouched. By some miracle. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Um, and and so they but they did rebuild. They finished their experiments. And they actually started production in 1894 at the Manhattan Distillery in Peoria, Illinois. Unfortunately, uh, at, within three or four months after those ex uh, the production had begun, the distillery itself went into receivership. It was uh, it was part of a whiskey trust, and the, this was the era of trust busting in the United States. And so when the new owners of the distillery took over, they decided to return to malted whiskey rather than this new uh, Takamine process. Now, when you say maltless, uh, just explain why that's important, because everyone's familiar with the term malt whiskey. So what does maltless mean? Sure. So rather than using malted grains, which you would use in a malted whiskey, uh, the grains are actually steamed and propagated with koji spores. So koji is a mold. It's actually the national mold of Japan. <laughs> I, lo I love uh, that. I love the fact that Japan yeah. <laughs> has a national mold. Is, it, is this like your cult flavored whiskey? <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> the the uh, the mold actually, it's not too much to say that there would not be Japanese cuisine as we know it without koji. Yeah. Soy sauce, miso, mirin, sake, these are all made from koji. Yeah, and wow. so this, this Japanese chemist had actually, his mother was from a sake-making family. So he had, learned, he had learned how to ferment rice to make mm -hmm. alcohol, obviously also a grain. But the difference in the way that the koji process work is, works is you polish the grains okay. and then you propagate the koji on the steamed grain. Uh -huh. And 
and the koji actually sacrifice the the grain so it breaks the starches into simple sugars so that the yeast can then convert yeah. those sugars to alcohol so it, it acts as a diastase basically it, 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 that's right now for i know this is quite it's quite complex chemistry um but it's breaking down the the, the it's breaking down into the alcohol but the yeast comes on as well so they work in tandem with each other that's right it's a multiple parallel fermentation so you have the koji working at the same time to break down the starches as the yeast is converting the sugars mm -hmm. to alcohol it's happening yeah. in the same fermentation now when you look at the stats for this now it takes a long fermentation normally a fermentation in in, in whiskey is between sort of two and four days and at the end of it, you end up with with your ABV is sort of seven to ten, you know, sort of maximum. The the koji and the yeast working sort of side by side creates something totally different from that. That's right. That's right. The, typically, the fermentations will. It's actually a two two stage fermentation. The first fermentation, what we usually refer to as the primary fermentation, is 100% koji inoculated grain. Mm -hmm. And then you will actually add steamed grain to the second fermentation without inoculating any more koji because the koji will still be active in the fermentation and will start to break down the new grain. And you're basically feeding it again. You're giving it a new uh, food source to continue yeah. the process. And it, the whole the whole thing can take uh, two to three weeks depending on, on uh, which tile is being made. So it's up, so up to three week fermentation. Now, at the end of this, your your wort that's running off, instead of it being seven to ten percent, is what's that? At? It's, yep, it's eighteen to nineteen percent. I mean, that's that's basically what most distillers get after they do their the first run. That's basically the ABV of a low wines. So you're that's getting right. that prior. To, to actually distilling, you're you're twenty percent almost already. That's right. Now, now your process that you take after that, you double distill. That's right. It it's a little bit strange, and it has everything to do with Jap Japanese regulatory standards. But uh -huh. uh, the that nineteen percent alcohol fermentation is single distilled in a pot still, mm -hmm. and then it and then that, which is about forty five percent alcohol is yeah. diluted back down to 20% with spring water. Okay. To get it and then it's redistilled at then that point. Then it's redistilled. And, um, and then it's it's back up to approximately 45% alcohol and that's when it's casked. That's when it's it's put in a barrel. It's a, it's a very it's a very strange process for, for what we are 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 looking at. But I mean the, the the takamine process there's other people who have used this to make other spirits. And they're they're reaching after double distillation and the the, the high eighty percents. You know, it, it's a, it's just it seems a very efficient way of converting your, your grain to alcohol. That's right. It's I believe two to three times more efficient to use koji to sacrifice grains rather than malting. When when one of these fermentations is finished, it's essentially liquefied. The grains are liquefied. You don't have any residual grain. Yeah. So you're basically extracting. As much yeah, of the sugar as you can. That's right. Yeah, everything goes. Um, now, Takamine himself, uh, he he was he came from, as you say, a, a sake background. 
So he understood fermentation, which more and more, um, I think lots of people are beginning to realise that fermentation is really the key to all your flavours, because that's where all your flavours created. Everything else is really just additional and, and addition and subtraction. But he understood fermentation, and he went to the US to do this experiment. I do love the fact that it's called the Manhattan Distillery, but it's based in Illinois. A little <laughs> bit right. of marketing. <laughs> but he went to the US, and tell me a bit about Takamine, because he's a very interesting character. He is. He was actually uh, the son of a samurai physician. And, <laughs> so he was busy. Uh, <laughs> and, his, and his mother came from the sake-making family. Now, when he was a child, this, the, the entire old system of government that, uh, was, was ended. So his father lost his, his status as a samurai. Fortunately, because he was a physician, he could continue to make a living for the family. Yeah. Well, a lot of samurai couldn't. But Takamine ended up uh, becoming very well educated. He was one of the first graduates of the engineering college at Tokyo University, which today is considered by many people to be the best university in Asia. Mm -hmm. And um, he ended up working for the government, as a lot of the bright young uh, Japanese were doing at the time. And he was sent on a trade mission to America to, to go to the New Orleans World's Fair yeah. in 1884. And while there, he met and fell in love, fell in love with uh, an American woman. And yeah. uh, he then had to come back to Japan. He had his responsibilities. And what he realized is if I want this dream of marrying this woman and, and having a life with her, I really need to become financially independent. And he ended up starting a company to make fertilizer. Yeah. And then his mother-in-law, actually, apparently his, his in-laws really approved of the marriage. And they can so much so after the couple got married and moved back to Japan, within three years, they were back in the States. Yeah. They had been coaxed back to the US by the in-laws who saw the financial potential of this young man <laughs> because he was so talented as a, as a, engineer and as a chemist and he ended up uh he had all sorts of patents did, and it, yeah. they're all a lot of them are around koji he actually made a stomach aid a digestive aid <laughs> because koji creates amylase and yeah. protease and so it breaks down both proteins and carbohydrates so if you're a little, little upset stomach you took one of these pills <laughs> and you could You'd feel a little bit better. It sounds a bit like milk of magnesium, which was invented in Belfast. <laughs> <laughs> Just be blue, blue, blue bottles. That was invented in Belfast. Uh, but no, he 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 was the first person to isolate adrenaline. That's right. That was his. That was his biggest contribution to really the world. Yeah. I mean, adrenaline is is a hugely important uh, medical treatment even today. It saved countless Absolutely. lives. Absolutely. And he, it was actually the first time that a hormone had been isolated, that a pure hormone had been isolated in the history of medicine. Yeah. So he also paved the way for all of the future scientists and physicians who learned how to do that. Yeah. That, uh, I mean, so he really was a remarkable, remarkable man. He was a remarkable man. He, he, one of his big things, obviously done about background for this. Um, he really wanted to foster Japanese American relations probably on the same personal level he wanted to make it a national thing and every you know the the, the cherry blossom trees in washington dc are, are world famous you know it's a, you see pictures of them all the time and various things and he was instrumental in getting those planted that's right he he actually made that donation he didn't want to do it uh directly as a private citizen so he worked through the japanese embassy but those actually were financed by him and and some of his uh, pals in the Nippon Club, which is a private gentleman's club in Manhattan. 
actually the Manhattan, New York City, which he had moved <laughs> the, to. <laughs> the fake Manhattan that he set up in Illinois. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> but he, he was so well respected that the Japanese emperor essentially gave him a palace. Well, he did. Actually, that's right. So it, the St. Louis World's Fair, they had a pavilion and there was this gorgeous traditionally made Japanese, uh, essentially summer palace that was part of the Japanese pavilion. And when the, uh, the St. Louis World's Fair ended, that was gifted to Jokichi Takamine and he moved it to upstate New York, which it still uh, exists today. Wow. So there's, a, there's a Japanese palace in New York from, from a guy who... <laughs> from a guy who um, basically made, made fungus and the alcohol. That's a great story. It's fabulous. He, now, Tagamine invented this process. How did it become rediscovered? I know it was patented, but there's a lot of patents in the world. Uh, sure. How, how did it become become back well, again? How, how did you guys get so, your hands on it? Well, Takamine actually, you know, he was this young industrialist in the, in the late 1800s. And on his honeymoon, actually, after they got married in New Orleans, uh, on their honeymoon, he studied patent law in the United States. <laughs> that must have been an exciting honeymoon. Yeah. Can yeah you right. Takamine, Can imagine. Don't touch me. I'm, <laughs> hang on. I'm studying patent law here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what he realized is that with patents, you really only had to patent something that was new in the district or the, the jurisdiction of that patent license. Mm -hmm. Koji fermentation for alcohol has been around for about 1300 years. You could never patent the process in America, in Japan, yeah. because every sake maker uses this process to sacrifice grains. Every shochu maker, every awamori maker, all of these traditional Japanese alcohols are all made with these Koji fermentations. So it was unpatentable in Japan. But he realized because of legal loopholes, he could patent it in the US. Mm -hmm. And so it never stopped here. <laughs> throughout, yeah. throughout this entire time, this process has been used in Japan. And so for a Japanese company to the Japanese distillery to decide to revive this, they would simply have to adapt what they already know to what they could figure out from what, his, what was written in his patent and uh, try to recreate that product. Yeah. And that's, that's what they end up doing. Obviously, the, the actual uh, formula that was used in the Manhattan distillery for production is not available to anybody, no. but uh, the, the patent itself gave enough information to at least try to recreate the style. Now, there are sort of domestic native Japanese spirits. I mean, you mentioned sochu there, and there's barley sochus. Uh, it, the whiskey that you make, is it something akin to a barrel-aged sochu, or what, what's the difference? So the, the key difference, actually, the, the fermentation processes are quite similar. The difference is in double distillation and then uh, oak barrel aging. Yeah. Uh, shochu has to be single distilled by law. So okay. if you want to make authentic shochu, it goes one time through the pot still. And most barley shochu off the still is somewhere in the 42 to 44% alcohol range. Mm -hmm. It's sometimes aged in oak, but it can't be aged in oak for very long because there are color limitations, which were uh, to actually protect Scotch whiskey. Yeah. In in negotiations back in the in the eighties and nineties, and so shochu barrel aged barley shochu really expresses the grain. You you taste the barley even even if it has some of the oak character. Yeah. A double distilled koji whiskey expresses as a whiskey. You do not taste the barley. There isn't any barley expression as you would get from a from a shochu. They're okay. really, really different products. Now, 
you've had lot. This has been very well received. Your 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 Koji whiskey. Um, sorry, I just jumped on a little bit. The the Takamine's family. You actually went and asked them for for their permission to 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 use this or to revive this. That's right. We had uh, they they very closely protect the Takamine family name. Uh, from exploitation for commercial mm -hmm. interests, and there's a family trust, and uh, based in his hometown, uh, where his where his uh, where he where he was born, and the family had never allowed his name to be used for a commercial product before, mm -hmm. uh, outside of the family itself. And so the and the family actually that uh, one of Takamine's lasting legacies in Japan is he started one of the largest pharmaceutical companies that still exists in Japan. So his family is still quite wealthy. I was going to say, I was going to say, yes, they, they're probably still fairly influential if, if push come to shove. That's right. And so we actually went and explained what we were trying to do, that we were essentially trying to revive this failed experiment of his. I mean, the experiment didn't fail, but it didn't become commercially successful. Mm -hmm. And they were, they were enthusiastic. They were very happy uh, to lend his name to the product because it is part of his legacy that almost nobody knew about. Yeah. Now, the whiskey has been very well received. Uh, I, I mean, it's won a couple of awards. Um, how how has it went down in Japan? Because I know Japan Japan have their their big whiskey industry. So how are they? You're sort of mixing and matching the two Japanese whiskey tradition with uh, ancient Japanese uh, fermentation. So how's that? Went? You you've basically jumped over what Japanese have been doing. That's right. It's it's funny to to me, well to us, um, that the the Japanese native spirits fermentation tradition is not part of the new Japanese whiskey labeling standards. <laughs> the, the standards are are silent on koji, but they require ten percent malted grain to be included in the mash bill in order to be considered Japanese whiskey. So this is the new and, Japanese standards that have been brought in that so it That's actually right. it actually covers you as well it does not cover us because we do not use malt we use koji ah right okay so the traditional okay. japanese the, the native japanese fermentation method is not allowed in the new standards it's not ex it's as it as a, it's it's nuanced it's not explicitly prohibited but you have yeah. to include malt and we do not okay. include malt so what do you say on the bottle in japan then this is not whiskey but it might be <laughs> actually we are <laughs> We are prohibited from selling it in Japan. Right. It's not. Yeah, we cannot sell takamine whiskey so, in Japan. So it hasn't. It just seems very strange <laughs> that you have you've basically carried on a Japanese tradition and married it up to well a new industry, relatively new industry for Japan, and they're not allowing you to sell it in Japan. That's right. That's, yeah, there are. That's very bizarre. It is. There are discussions <laughs> being had, but I think it's a long road because there are some powerful interests who would not be interested in seeing Koji whiskey become a established category in this country. So I take it nobody has tried to copy you then? I think there are things on the way, I yeah. expect. Um, I have had conversations with some of the other whiskey importers in the U.S., and it does sound like they... Because, uh, you know, the, the TTB labels, the label approvals are public record. And so, and there are obviously very smart people in the whiskey industry in the States. And so they keep an eye on what's coming. Oh, yes. And the first time that they had ever seen the word Koji on the front label of a whiskey was with Takamine. And I think that turned on all sorts of light bulbs. Okay. <laughs> surprise, surprise. Yeah. Baby yeah. Santori, for example. <laughs> you know, but, uh, no. So 
it's been it's been very well received. That won it's won numerous awards. Do you want to tell us about what so, awards? It's yeah, so it, it well, it won a gold medal at San Francisco, and then I think I'm allowed to say it. It, it received 90 points from wine enthusiasts uh, yeah. in their whiskey reviews. Uh, but it's early days. I mean, we've been uh, in the market in, in the U.S. since April. Yeah. But, so but the uh, the response from the whiskey community has been tremendous. I mean, it's only uh, it's, I really... mean, it's literally a few months old. I mean, a few months released. And, and yeah. you're running awards and getting 90%. I mean, it just, you, you know, you have distribution in the U.S. We do. Um, yes. How available is it in the U.S.? Yeah, it, we're in, right now we're in 15 U.S. states plus D.C., we're covering, yeah. We cover over 50% of the drinks market in the U.S. thanks to our distributor, Winebow. And we are negotiating with some other state like uh, distributors. I know, I know it's quite difficult because each state essentially is a different country with different regulations. So could you name a few of the states that you're in? Sure. Big markets that we're in. We're in uh, Florida, Georgia, the D.C. area, uh, Maryland, and uh, New Jersey, New York, Connecticut. That's going up the East Coast. Yeah. Uh, we're in Illinois. Uh, Minnesota, Wisconsin in the Midwest, and then California and Washington on the West Coast. That's there's yeah. a few other states in there. Uh, uh, that's, those are the big markets. Yeah, yeah. so the so you're coming through. What about Europe and the UK? Uh, we are discussing it. We'd love to to come. Uh, to, oh, oh, we'd love to, to have. Don't worry. Um, yeah. So yeah, if we're we're basically looking for uh, importers, distributors to to work with at this point. So. If you yeah. have any leads, we'd appreciate it. Is it the Japanese overseas that are most interested in this, or is it whiskey aficionados? It's it's whiskey aficionados. That's primarily who's interested in in Takamine. I mean, put it like this for for myself, the the fact that it's essentially a totally different fermentation process and whiskey making process is something that I I really I'm excited about. That's why as soon as I heard about it, I was like, wow, I have to we have to talk about this. Now there's there's Lots more information, a bit more detail on your website, and you know people can. If people want to get really nerdy, you can go and look up some of the the facts of the Takamine process. But it, it, the the fact that there's a new style of fermentation that's much more efficient, much more efficient, that has now been rediscovered, is is really exciting. Now, your your the Takamine whiskey. Tell us about its age and what. So it's a combination of virgin American oak and uh, ex-bourbon casks. Uh, it's an eight-year age statement, but due to the uh, due to the pandemic, actually, we were delayed a year. So everything in the first release bottle is actually nine years or older. We just weren't going to try to update the label <laughs> for that. Uh, and it's it um one of the things that the koji gives gives it is actually umami, and so I love that umami. Right, the umami, it, so it adds a depth of flavor that I think is really unexpected. Now it is bottled at forty percent alcohol, which uh -huh. I know is low compared to European standards, even American standards. But remember, it's casked at about forty-four percent, so yeah. the dilution is minimal. So I think it it really punches above its weight because it's got a lot more flavor than you would expect. I, I, I anybody who knows me, they know I, I keep banging on this. I don't have a sweet tooth. So there's a, there's this sort of push towards sweeter and sweeter whiskies. Um, I did a, an experiment with uh, Justin a few weeks ago where I got a bottle of two bottles of Johnny Walker Red Label. The one you pick off the shelf today, and I have a bottle from the 1960s. And they're nothing like each other. They're just nothing like each other. One 
is much smokier, much heavier, much oilier. And today's is much sweeter and lighter and it's significantly sweeter. So they're moving, moving in a way of whiskies that I'm not particularly keen on. And as they get sweeter and sweeter and sweeter, it really doesn't affect me. The fact that your guys are getting this umami flavour into it, that, that, that excites me, if I'm honest. Yeah, it does have some sweetness to it, but it, I think it's quite balanced. Yeah, uh, with the umami and and there is some. It's just it's a. We've gotten such really interesting feedback. It almost tastes like a bourbon in some ways, and I I think I suspect that because most of the uh, barrels are are virgin oak. So with the virgin oak, with, with the virgin oak, is that giving you those sort of um, peppery tobacco notes? You know that that fresh tobacco note that you get off. Um, I always find virgin oak gives a, 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 a certain spiciness that you have. See, he's okay because it's only it's dead early here, so we can't get a drink. <laughs> <laughs> so Stephen's already right. eating over the bottle. It's, it's no, after dinner here, so yeah, I'm good dinner. to go. No, well, yeah, it, I, there, actually, you don't get that spicy tobacco sort mm -hmm. of sort of expression. The the oak itself is is uh, so it's a medium char. The oak comes from Missouri in in America, but the barrels are actually made at the Ariaki Cooperage in Miyazaki Prefecture, which is about. Uh, two, three hour drive from, I guess four hour drive from Fukuoka, which is where uh, Takamine is made. Ah. Dead jealous now, he's getting a drink and we're not. <laughs> <laughs> now, That's right. Now, tell me about, about uh, yourself and your, your, your partner, Chris, who, who basically are, are, are the company. Um, you do a podcast. That's right, we have our own podcast. It's called Japan Distilled. And we really try to cover the spectrum of uh, distilled spirits made here in Japan. We've done several episodes on Japanese whiskey, as well as these other expressions of unusual styles. But then we've gone deep into shochu and awamori. Uh, we've done one on Japanese rum. We've done some sort of comparisons. What's the difference between sake and shochu and yeah. Korean soju and Japanese shochu, those kinds of uh, topics. And we'll, we got a gin episode coming up. So Japanese gin. <laughs> this is yeah. a big thing. The, the the whole Japanese whiskey industry really took a lot of people by surprise. Uh, that I mean, I think Scotland sat at the pinnacle for a, such a long time, and then everyone kind of expects Ireland to be there, but the, the Irish whiskey industry was so small and so, so almost gone. And the next thing it was it was actually Japan that, if it, in some ways, in some ways, leapfrogged mm -hmm. Scotland, which took a lot of people by surprise, but. It, the Japanese whiskey is it's massive now. I mean, it's, it's just huge. It, it it's hugely popular, but there as actually isn't that much of it available. You still yeah. have uh, less than I think we're probably right around twenty active distilleries in the country right now, and uh, the production volumes are just not very high. And that's mm. the reason that uh, there was a lot of Scotch and Canadian American whiskey being imported to Japan, blended and yeah. sold as Japanese whiskey, which of course, not everybody was a fan of that. And that's no. part of why the new, the new labeling standards came out. Yeah. Uh, but the, I, I, I've heard uh, that here in Fukuoka prefecture, so there's 47 prefectures in Japan. And I had a conversation with uh, one of our local whiskey bar owners, and he's aware of between eight and 10 new whiskey distilleries being planned in Fukuoka prefecture. Yeah. Just that's in this prefecture. The, the, these whiskey distilleries are popping up almost like a fungus themselves. They're almost like Koji popping up. <laughs> <laughs> because I mean, you now have about 2,000 in, in the US. 
Ireland mm. says it's booming, and we have less than forty. Um, <laughs> you know, there's, they're popping up in, in England and Germany and so on and so forth. And Japanese whiskey has it's already got the market; it just hasn't have the product. That's why they were having That's to right. import so much for a foreign spirit in. Mm-hmm. blending it and labeling it as Japanese whiskey. So the markets are already there for these distilleries. So That's right. it's, in some ways it's they're, they're already they've already paid for themselves if if, if they can get them up quick, quickly enough I suppose and and breaks that little gap between supply and, and keeping up the demand. Well, I think that the trick is to keep up demand to make people want continue to want it and not go on to the next new thing, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but even the even the distilleries that have been built, the new distilleries that are coming online, they're all small. They're, yeah. They don't have, the, they can't ramp up to the volumes that are might be needed if Japanese whiskey just becomes ubiquitous like Scotch. Yeah, I, th- I think the price of barley and uh, of barrels is going to go through the roof at some point in the not distant future. It's it's, uh, it's just an, it's an incredible thing. And Japan Distilled is a weekly podcast. It's twice monthly. It's twice well, monthly. it's every every other Monday we release an episode. Yeah. We also do a weekly live stream on uh, Facebook and YouTube, also mm-hmm. under Japan Distilled. And Christopher and I are actually both published authors. Uh, my book, uh, The Complete Guide to Japanese Drinks, was published in 2019, and in uh, 2020 was nominated for a James Beard Book Award, which I was absolutely shocked by as my first book. Brilliant. And then Christopher's uh, wrote the first English language uh, uh, sh- guide to shochu called the Shochu Handbook. And I believe he published it in 2014, if I'm not mistaken. And I have a copy back here. Sorry, it was hiding. <laughs> so the Shochu Handbook, that's available on Amazon okay. uh, worldwide. Brilliant. And yeah, so, I mean, we are sort of the two weird Koji spirits nerds in the, <laughs> in the English speaking world. And we've teamed up and we've both, uh, we're working together on this, you know, this, uh, the Takamine and as well, we, we will be bringing some uh, shochu and awamori into the U S market as well. And we do hope to, to send those to Europe at some Brilliant. point in the future as well. And, uh, and then we've got the podcast and, you know, we're doing everything we can to evangelize for these amazing <laughs> drinks. Yeah. It's a, it's it's another it's another aspect of of the drinks market that's probably uh, not getting the representation it deserves, and it's great to see you guys flying the flag for it in the West. Brilliant stuff, uh, Stephen Lyman there from the Takamini uh, Whiskey Distillery in Japan or in Illinois or in <laughs> Manhattan, wherever you are. Uh, it's a virtual distillery. Thank you very much, Hankaku. Yeah. Hankaku Spirits. Thanks very much. Yeah, thank you for having me. I really enjoyed the conversation.